Hi, my name is Jolie, and I expected this research to be a lighthearted romp through some silliness and Ouija boards. I am just gonna record from my floor because I'm super depressed about it. Oh no. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> hey, it's Emma. I am feeling, I don't think excited is the right word, but maybe nervous for this super sad romp <laughs> that Jolie's about to give us. <laughs> How would you do a sad wrong? It's uh like Charlie Brown's like sad walk. <laughs> that is a sad wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm ready to n- no more laughing. Yeah, it's hard because like yeah. you watch horror movies. So do you watch like mm-hmm. demon like devil movies like The Exorcist or like any of that shit? Yeah. It's one of my favorites. I think it's so entertaining. And then uh, reading any of this, I'm just like, well, this is just sad now. Yeah. I can't have anything I love. Oh, my God. Hold on. We have to pause for a second, Jolie. I only watched the second video you sent me, and I just remembered right now. You basically mm-hmm. just need to hear her voice, because that's the part that everyone's like, yeah, look at her. She's. T- it couldn't possibly be anything else. It's like, I can do that voice. And as far as I know, I'm not possessed by the devil. Let's hear it. <laughs> Bring me donuts. <laughs> <laughs> the Exorcism of Emily Rose. That, that movie? movie is really good. That's actually one of my favorite yeah. like exorcism movies. She yeah, just uh I can't remember the chick's name, but she did such an amazing job. I remember saying mm-hmm, it at the time too. Good. I didn't realize that was a real girl. Yeah, so uh it's like loosely based on on Elise Mikkel who we're going to be talking about today. So I'm not I'm not anti-religion. Uh, I am anti-dangerous shit when it comes to religion. But I just wanted to like put it out there that if you are Catholic, if you are Christian, I'm not against that. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with faith systems. Yeah, me neither. But yeah, so let's talk about Catholicism, demons, and exorcisms. Some of this stuff is like real dry. So I'm just going to kind of like skim the surface but we have to talk about jesus's exorcisms because that is like where all of this shit comes from so uh mental illness has always existed exorcisms have pretty much always existed like there had to have been something in this person that made them behave this way because they were fine and then they weren't but specifically the exorcisms of jesus christ kind of led what catholics believe should be the exorcism rites today i didn't even know he was exorcised is that common knowledge so Jesus exercised several people. Oh. He was not exercised himself. Okay. That being said, the Pharisees did think that he was possessed by demons. Hmm. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So it's like, yeah. oh, so it's just if someone's doing something you don't like or if you just don't like them. Mm-hmm. Demons. Well, that's like the when we talked about witches, like same thing. Yeah, it's entirely the same thing. And today, exorcisms mainly happen to children and women and Mm. people who have like severe mental illness. So all of the most vulnerable people in the world are at the most risk for dealing with um, exorcism practices because of who they are intrinsically. Jesus's exorcisms, there are, I think there are at least four or five, but I'm going to talk about three that I think are the most interesting. There is one where a man was possessed by a demon. Uh, He apparently was just too strong to be bound, 
even with chains, he would always break out of them. And he would spend his nights and days among the tombs in the hills and cry and cut himself with stones. So clearly having a rough time. Yeah. Apparently, Jesus approached him and said, demon, what is your name? The man said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And you've probably heard Legion repeated mm-hmm. and that that's what that comes from. So Jesus uh, said he was going to cast out the demons. The demons were like, hey, don't just cast me out. Send me into those pigs. So he sent the demons into 2,000 pigs, and the 2,000 pigs ran into the sea and drowned themselves. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's pretty horrifying, huh? Yeah. So there is another story of uh, Jesus walking through a crowd. A man brings his son up and says, my son is possessed by a demon. He's foaming at the mouth. He becomes rigid. He can't speak. He convulses. Oh my God, does he like have rabies or something? He has epilepsy. (laughs) And apparently um, while he's like pushing his child in front of Jesus, the the boy has another epileptic seizure. He starts like seizing and foaming at the mouth and becoming rigid. His hands become like claws. That's another thing that he said. His hands become like claws and Jesus casts out the demon and says, you will be healed. Which and then to what, me, he's not epileptic anymore? Like, both. Yeah, right. Like, no, his seizure ended. That is a thing that happened. And there can be kind of a euphoric feeling after seizures. Not everyone experiences that. Most of the time, it's confusion. Yeah. But for some people, there will be like some semblance of euphoria around having a seizure. There was another one. Basically, a man was mute and he was pushed in front of Jesus. And Jesus was like, hey, you're going to speak. And the man spoke. Actually, I've been waiting all my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) And this is the incidence where the Pharisees said, you know, he's clearly a demon possessed by Beelzebub himself. About Jesus? Because he was able to do this to others? Yeah. He said if he's able to cast out demons, he must be a demon himself. Hmm. Okay. That, to me, is really fascinating. Well, yeah, especially because now it's like priests and stuff that do the exorcisms. But I mean, they can get away with it because they're like, well, those are the Pharisees and they tried to kill Jesus. So, yeah. So fuck those guys. (laughs) Not interested in what they have to say. I don't know shit. Uh, Exorcisms have existed as long as mentally ill people have existed. And they've existed for a number of reasons. But the Middle Ages saw possession as the most common excuse for pretty much anything. Is your wife mouthing off? She's possessed. Yeah. It's like an excuse to torture people. <laughs> it really is. It it 100% is. So this was apparently so bad that the Catholic Church was like, we got to set some rules around this shit because yeah. this is getting out of control. They even saw how big of an issue it was. I'm, I'm going to butcher this because I am not Catholic at all. De exorcismus et supplicationibus quibustum basically means of exorcisms and certain supplications is an 84-page document of the Catholic Church, and this is the document that contains the rites of exorcisms. The first version was written in 1614, but it is the last liturgical book to be revised following the Second Vatican Council of 1962 to 1965, and you should remember that. Second Vatican Council happened in the early 60s, but the most recent publishing of it was 1999. Hmm, of this of this article or this of this specific like yeah. 84 page document interesting got a quote here from wiki following the trends in catholic approaches to alleged cases of possession since the pontificate of leo the 13th in the 19th century 
The new revision includes a warning not to confuse mental illness with demonic possession. It also removes several descriptions of Satan, which sat uncomfortably with the church's doctrine, and states that the devil is a spirit without body, without color, and without odor. Although taking many forms, Satan is a metaphysical or spiritual being, exists without real physical attributes, but only the assumed forms. <laughs> Your face. That last sentence did not make any sense to me. Basically, they're trying to say Satan can be anything, and you can't guarantee that it's not Satan at any time. Yikes. Which seems a little, uh, a yeah, little loosey-goosey. I had assumed that, like, when it had been revised in the 60s, that it would have been, like, a little bit more... Satan's not a real problem, but just, like, make sure the person's not mentally ill. Yeah. Epilepsy should not be a reason to exercise a person. No, I mean, I get it, though. Like, in Jesus's time, like, nobody knew They had no understanding. Yeah. Right. Well, even in the 60s and 70s, epilepsy wasn't entirely understood. Yeah, my mom's brothers, my uncle is epileptic, and it used to really upset my grandpa because, like, his seizures weren't always, like, full seizures. Like, sometimes he'd seize and, like, drop a glass milk carton or, you know, things Uh, like that. So it's like, what the fuck, man? And he's like, I really cannot help it. Yeah. I wasn't here. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. So uh, there are four elements that are spelled out in Catholic Exorcism of the Possessed. And one of them is the ability to speak and understand languages unknown to the afflicted person, which how the fuck could you possibly know what someone doesn't know? Right. (laughs) The ability to tell of unknown or future events, which again, if it's future events, then you don't fucking know. (laughs) And also, I think people don't realize that possessed people can still hear. So if you're talking about your life in the house where they exist, then they Mm -hmm. might hear it. Yeah. A display of powers that go well beyond the natural human condition, which, again, you can't really quantify that in any way. Well, I mean, like lifting up a car or something. Yeah, I I would say if a person lifted up a car and then, like, spat pea soup. Yeah, lifting up a car, spitting out pea soup, when there's no pea soup that's eaten. (laughs) Yeah, if there has never been pea soup and the person has never weightlifted, then that (laughs) is a power that they couldn't possibly have. But here's the other thing. So the last element is other indications that cumulatively indicate demonic possession, which so could be that? literally anything. Yeah. Other indications like, I don't know, glazed over eyes. That could be anything. I'm glazed over about 90% of my day. <laughs> I am I not am too. present. I'm just trying to come up with some. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think they're probably just thinking like the person acts weird. Or, like, it's violence. But also that could be very normal for a number of reasons. Or, Mm -hmm. like, not maybe not normal for that person, but normal as, like, a thing that they're Mm -hmm. going through. Like, explainable is probably a better word. The rite has three fundamental requirements of exorcists. So the priest has to be of advanced years and experience. They can't have just, like come up with the idea to do this they they have to have a lot of experience and have trained with another another priest who has actually done the rites the priest must be humble genuinely caring and non-desirous of fame and fortune at the expense of the people in suffering and the priest must be cleansed of all inequities through confession contrition and absolution so those are like really big there are a lot of like really common beliefs in possessions and demons that i don't know where they're getting it but <laughs> Ed Warren and his wife are the, like, the insidious movies, like, all of that shit, or, like, the, um, what is it called? 
Oh, Conjuring. Okay, so have you seen The Conjuring? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, that's where they are from. And apparently Ed has, like, assisted exorcists in exorcisms and is, like, a deeply religious, or was a deeply religious man. He said, I have seen a possessed child thrown grown adults around the room like a sumo wrestler, uh, and a possessed adult is completely unmanageable. I know I have been attacked by the possessed on more than one occasion, and as big as I am at 220 pounds, I can report to you that no human being could ever single-handedly fight off a possessed individual. Hmm. Which, to me, sounds like just normal adrenaline. Yeah. Because, like, like you could be on, like, meth, and it will take multiple gunshots to kill you. Yeah. Or, like, bath salts. Remember when that was Right. Oh, my God. The guy ate that guy's face off. (laughs) Poor guy. That poor old man. It's, like, not funny at all. Um, No. And also, like, (laughs) mothers and stuff, when their kids are in danger, like, have been known to do really crazy, like, superhuman things. There's yeah. something that comes over you in those mm-hmm. kind of moments where you're like very animalistic and you can do anything. A- another thing, and this comes from Father Gabriel Amorth. He was the former chief exorcist for the Vatican. Oh. He says that one begins with the physical symptoms. The two areas most commonly affected by evil influences are the head and the stomach. In addition to headaches that are severe and unresponsive to prescriptions, symptoms include a sudden inability to learn. Young people have, you know, problems at school, their ability to concentrate disappears. And then he talks about, like, strange and violent behavior that people have, like, unknown power of knowing what other people have been through in their life and using it against them. Uh, Having rage against sacred imagery, which, like, all of that sounds like someone going through something. It doesn't Mm -hmm. sound outside the realm of normal human behavior. There's a lot of talk also of like, you know, the demons like to come out at 3 a.m. And it's like, yeah. how the fuck would you know any of this? You're just making shit up. Yeah, that happened in some movie, right? Like every time it was a certain time, like that's when the bad stuff would happen. Yeah. They say it's like mocking the Trinity or whatever. But like, oh. bad shit happens at all times a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yep. it's also not like, Every, like, possession, and I say that in so many quotes, has happened at 3 a.m. And that's what, mm-hmm. like, uh, Ed Warren is suggesting, is that the first instance always happens at 3 a.m. No. You couldn't possibly know that. You could not prove possibly. It. Yeah, prove it, bitch. You can't. Yeah. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded a lot ruder than I intended it. <laughs> I like that. All right, so uh, now we're going to meet Annalise. Annalise McKell. Uh, first, we're going to meet her parents, Anna and Joseph, or Yosef, maybe. And I, I don't know if they pronounce it Mikkel or Mikkel. I, I will probably, mm. you know, go between the two. So Anna <laughs> was extremely religious and strict. She had grown up at a time when half of her village had been drafted to fight, and the other half had been sent to concentration camps. So she was, like, not fucking around with her religion. She lived through some horrific shit. She genuinely believed that bad things would happen to her family because of their genetic or hereditary impurity. Wow. She was a deeply penitent person. Uh, She also had an intense fear of being socially shunned because her children were not perfectly healthy and strong. And this was a thing that happened back then. Like, we have to remember, this is not an unreasonable fear. Uh-huh. Even now, if a person's child murders someone, they are held directly responsible for what their kid did. 
So it's not unreasonable yeah. to believe that someone's going to be shunned because their kid is weird. Yeah. Because people are well, awful. <laughs> yeah, people are awful. Yosef or Joseph Mikhail was a World War II Nazi soldier fighting the Russians on the Eastern Front. At the end of the war, he fought his way back to the West to surrender to U.S. and British forces. So it sounds to me like he wasn't in it for himself. And not excusing, like, being a Nazi soldier at all, but it sounds like he did it because he had to, not because he wanted yeah. to. I think a lot of people just had to be in the military. Yeah, it is something that you do have to consider, that there are people who feel like they don't have choices. Uh-huh. Like many soldiers, he came back with PTSD, and he was, like, vacant. He came back with wow. nothing to give anybody, so he was not an attentive father, he wasn't emotionally available, and it affected Annalise her entire life. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, now we're going to talk about life in the Mikkel home. Okay. So what was it like with a, a father with PTSD who was not emotionally there and a mother who was insane about her religion? Awful. That sounds awful. Yeah, that's it. All right. End yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> Annalise was born in 1952 and she had three sisters. She did have four sisters, but one of them died at a very early age. So growing up with her parents and her three sisters was not easy because both of her parents were uh, deeply religious to the point where they did not even agree with reformations of the Vatican II. They were that conservative. They were like, no, only the old shit wow. works for us. They completely ignored any of those reformations and really strict was not strict enough for them. They were not allowed. So the, the girls were not allowed to see boys. They weren't even allowed to stay over at girlfriends' houses if the girlfriends had brothers. Oh. Annalise was taken out of social dancing classes for many reasons. One of them was that she was kind of a sickly kid at a young age. And the other was that, like, you can't control whether or not someone's going to dance with boys. Yeah. So they were, like, real fucking dysfunctional. At a young age, her doctor basically described her as having a classic case of neurosis due to her controlling mother and her dysfunctional family. Wow. So she was already having issues. She was kind of a sickly kid. Her mother was overbearing to the point where, like, she hovered over Annalise. It manifested in Annalise not being able to have her own interests or do her own thing. Like she, yeah. she was a, once she was a teenager, she didn't get to behave like a teenager. Mm -hmm. Was her mom like this with the other girls or just her? I'm assuming she was like it with all of them, but with Annalise, because she was the second child and the first child died. Yeah. So because both of those children were sickly, she was not letting another child go through anything horrible. Yeah. And in that. her mind, because the first child was born out of wedlock between her and her husband, she, she felt like she was being punished. Yeah. And the girls paid for that. So Annalise was deeply religious too. She wanted to teach the catechism. So she was going to school for it. She got into a really good school. Uh, she really excelled at Latin and Roman history. And she was fluent in Latin. Wow. And obviously German because she spoke German. Mm -hmm. And I want to say she, because she was around so many different kinds of people, because this was a really good school, she knew a little bit of a lot of languages. Four years before Annalise was born, her mother gave birth to the illegitimate daughter. She actually had to wear a black veil on her wedding day. Oh my gosh. Because of it. she's not a virgin. Because she wasn't a virgin. Yeah. So Annalise 
would grow up with this kind of hovering over her head and she would take it on to a large degree. So she would do penance for fucking everything. But a lot of it was brought on by her mom. Yeah. She kind of regurgitated a lot of things that her mother said. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to have had a very good relationship based on anything that I've read. Like, I think like all strained parental relationships, Annalise wanted a good relationship with her parents, but I don't think she liked them. Her mother said she liked life. She sang willfully. She was an intelligent girl. Teachers and professors always complimented her. Mm -hmm. She had a boyfriend at the end that I want to say that she met before college who loved her and they were in a really good committed relationship. So that's kind of like, her before everything happened. Yeah. And people really don't know that about her. Like she was just a normal kid. Like you see pictures of her and she was, she was super pretty. She looked full of life. She had a great smile. Like the only pictures that you see of her are pictures of her in her worst moments, which Uh, I think is really sad. Yeah. Um, So in the fall of 1968, when she was 16, she had her first seizure. Her first seizure was one of the ones where like you just stare into space and you kind of lose yourself. Yeah. So she basically like lost consciousness. Her her fellow students noticed it and worried about her. And then she came back online. She didn't know yeah. what had happened to her. Um, but that night she had extreme sleep paralysis to the point where she actually wet the bed. She described it as being trapped in her body with an extreme pressure on her stomach. So remember the part in the exorcism of Emily Rose where like you see her being pinned to the bed? That's that's yeah. exactly how she felt. And she was not the same after this. So in August of 1969, she had another seizure. You'll see that like the seizures become more and more frequent, which is usually what happens. You'll yeah. have one and you'll be like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. All right. We're cool. And then you'll have another like a good amount of time later. And then they just start amping up if you don't find the treatment that works for you. Yeah. They went to their family physician. He did an EEG. MRIs didn't exist at the time. So that was about as good as he could do. And he said they were completely normal. But he assumed that she was having ground mal seizures based on what she was saying. While undergoing all of this examination and all of this trauma, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis. She had to go to a sanatorium for people with TB. Wow. Yeah. And the other kids fucking hated her. Why? Because she was shy and ultra conservative. So they bullied her relentlessly, like horrifically. They called her like a snot-nosed brat because they didn't understand that she wasn't like ostracizing them. Mm -hmm. She was just really shy and fucking traumatized. Yeah. That's what sucks about being shy is like you come off as a bitch. When you're scared to talk to people, you kind of close up, you know? Mm -hmm. So while she was there, she had another seizure. The kids described her going rigid, her hands like developing into claws, her mouth and face contorting into like a hateful expression. When she was out of the seizure, she urinated on herself again and she was scared. So she screamed and it woke up the entire level of, of the hospital. Yeah. They started saying that she was possessed by the devil. The kids there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I get it. You know, they're like (laughs) assholes. She's super religious. This weird stuff's happening. And what's the best way, if you want to torment someone who's deeply religious, to torment them? Yeah. Saying that they're possessed by the devil. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, the devil's inside you. Yeah. You little snot-nosed brat. It's It's so awful. It's fucking hideous. Mm -hmm. But after this incident, she had another incident where she was 
praying with her rosary and she felt a deep euphoria, which is another thing that can happen with epilepsy because it's like parts of your brain are getting triggered. After she had that experience, then she felt the euphoria. Yeah. Like she, she felt blessed by God because of this incident. As far as anyone else knew, she had epilepsy. Her EEG uh, at this point was showing irregular waves. So they were like, oh, we've got proof of it now. You definitely have epilepsy. And this time she was put on medication. Before she wasn't put on medication because you don't want to medicate people with anticonvulsants when they don't need it. Yeah. Especially the early anticonvulsants were really harsh. She was also diagnosed with having heart and circulatory issues. Girl's a mess. Yeah, she's she's a fucking she's a wreck. <laughs> While she was still taking her anticonvulsants, she continued to develop epileptic symptoms. Yeah. Which treatment resistant epilepsy is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe she just wasn't taking the right drug or enough of it or exactly. You know. Or she just wouldn't ever find something that would work for her. That is a possibility. So while she was taking this medication, she also started to develop what can be normal in epilepsy, which is seeing faces. But because of her deeply religious nature, she didn't see nice faces. She saw demonic faces. So she had the experience with saying her prayers and having that euphoria. Mm -hmm. This time she had another experience where she was doing the exact same thing. And she saw all these demonic faces around her. And that made her scared to pray. (laughs) Yeah. So... She was released back home, but she kept having issues and she kept having uncontrollable anger. Like she would just rage at people and her sisters were scared of her. Wow. And this is a thing, again, that can happen with seizures is that you can have psychosis and you can become almost a completely different person. Yeah. I never knew that there was like emotional kind of stuff that goes along with epilepsy. Specifically the type of epilepsy that she seemed to have had was temporal lobe epilepsy and the temporal lobe controls a lot of your emotional responses to things Mm -hmm. so it's emotional responses language like all of that if that's misfiring Mm -hmm. you can have all sorts of symptoms and it's it's kind of rare for people to experience psychosis with temporal lobe epilepsy but it does happen yeah so she also started having trouble speaking and walking which is another like super normal thing that can happen with epilepsy she decided she wasn't going to take her medications anymore because they weren't working for her. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, she would frequently black out, develop a snarl on her face and like develop the claws and, and start convulsing. And this was just a thing that started happening more and more frequently to the point where doctors were like, we got to get you help because yeah. this is getting a lot worse very quickly. Yeah. Um, she did end up going back to school. Her friends said she was not the same at all. She was not the same person. Yeah. Well, this is all probably like traumatic too. You know, it's like not only, you know, not only is she experiencing like these health problems, she's like been traumatized. She's been traumatized and she's consistently seeing what she considers to be demons and nobody can explain it. Yeah. Her doctors are explaining it, but they're also not fixing it. So Mm -hmm. if you have a doctor telling you this is wrong with you and yet the medications that is supposed to help Mm -hmm. are not helping. Yeah. And then just already being like super religious. You're like, I know what this is, the devil. So her friend Maria Burdick would later testify after her illness on Elise changed. She was quiet and withdrew from all her friends. She was just not herself at all. And this is also a pretty normal thing that happens with epilepsy. In fact, epileptics experience and are more likely to act out suicidal ideation 
your life will be forever changed. Mm -hmm. You will never not have epilepsy. There is no cure. So that's, that's a lot to deal with. And especially when you're trying to find a medication that works for you and suffering from depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or even like side effects from the medication. Yeah. It's, it's fucking horrific. Mm -hmm. Um, Her circulatory issues came back around this time. So she went to see a heart doctor and the heart doctor expressed concern. Later in 1976, during a recorded conversation with a priest, Annalise would say of like this time in her life, it is a terror which goes through all my limbs and settles there. It is a dread that makes you think you are right there in the middle of hell. You are totally, utterly deserted. Heavy. Yeah, entirely heavy. Mm -hmm. So during this time, at first she would kind of like avoid and rail against God. Like she was so fucking angry. And this is like, during the time when her sisters and her family were kind of scared of her too, because she would just go off the handle. Yeah. Understandable. Like also like teenage hormones with all of yeah, this. Right, right. She's like 16 or 17. Right. Yeah. 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 I was crazy on my own, <laughs> <laughs> let alone like having that happen mm-hmm. and also being a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. So she went through her period of time where she was just angry with God. But then she started becoming deeply obsessive with God. So it's like one or the other with her. She's either angry at God or she's completely obsessed. And she started researching a lot of spiritual literature. She came to believe that she was being made to suffer for a spiritual cause in this time. She was reading a lot about Barbara Wigand's who was a mystic in the early 1900s who claimed to manifest appearances of the Virgin Mary and Archangel Michael. And she later founded a church and a whole movement. Hmm. She was obsessed with this woman and she felt like a deep connection to her. She was obsessed with saints specifically. She started to really kind of buy into the idea that she was being made to suffer for something bigger than her. Um, Her family and most specifically her mother really bought into this and really fed it. It was even said that at one point in time, her mother said, I cannot deal with the reality of my life. And so it was almost like she was creating another reality where her daughter was not sick. She was a saint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In March and April of 1973, she started to get now auditory hallucinations and the knocking started. So she would hear knocking everywhere at all times. That is so scary. Really fucking common. With epilepsy or just like in life? Uh, well, in life too, like you, like we've talked about how hallucinations happen a lot more than we think they do, mm-hmm. but most of the time we just kind of like yeah, gloss over it. Yeah. Like, oh, what the fuck? That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But in epilepsy and later on, we're going to talk about schizophrenia. Yeah. It's a pretty common thing. This is like, she is textbook for literally every single thing that they were trying to diagnose her with. When she asked her family about the knocking, all of her family said, they were not hearing what she was hearing. Yeah. But then Anna started to say, yeah, yeah, I hear it too. Oh, shit. Anna was not hearing it. Like just to be a bitch. Anna wanted to believe. This is more exciting than her daughter having epilepsy. Yeah. Being possessed by demons. Oh, like, yeah. Like then you can blame it on something. Mm-hmm. Like, no, my daughter isn't mentally ill. Mm-hmm. She's going to be a saint. Yeah, like this has nothing to do with me. 
exactly my parenting or my genes or like right yeah we're perfect we're so perfect that god has chosen my daughter to torture and kill (gasps) oh my god (laughs) um in visits with her doctor she was prescribed more medications she was uh she was given another eeg and it showed normal brain function but during that appointment her doctor said she cannot be left to her own devices. She needs Mm -hmm. to be institutionalized. He said he thought she was suffering from epilepsy as well as schizophrenia or manic depressive disorder. Yeah. Which would later be known as bipolar. Yeah. Which is interesting. Like for like me, for example, I take an anti-convulsant medication, but not because I have epilepsy. It's a mood stabilizer. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of see how those like well it's affecting like the same part of your brain so i guess yeah and there's there's a lot of medications kind of that do that where it it was made for one thing but it it tends to work for another thing too well i take like significantly less than somebody that had epilepsy would take right because it would knock you on your ass otherwise right (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean it makes sense if she's having like shit going on with her brain with epilepsy like it makes sense like the mood stuff would happen too yeah absolutely So now I've named this section, We Are Legion. Now we're going to talk about who Legion actually is. Spoiler alert. It's all like diagnosable illnesses. I believe it. (laughs) Not shocked. Not shocked at all. (laughs) Let's talk about epilepsy first. Okay. Specifically temporal lobe epilepsy. Uh, Temporal lobe is the area of brain that processes memories and sounds, interprets vision, produces speech, understands language, controls some unconscious automatic responses such as hunger, thirst, fight or flight emotions, and sexual arousal. Hmm. There are a couple of types of seizures. There's one that's called a focal aware seizure, which is basically a partial seizure without the loss of awareness. So you are completely conscious during the seizure and abnormal sensations can happen. That sounds terrible. Yeah, (laughs) because something is definitely happening to you and you're aware of it the entire time. Like it's different if you're not there Yeah, and you wake up and you're like, something horrible just happened to me. But if you're Mm -hmm. experiencing it, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So some things that happen in this deja vu, a memory can kind of like come along with it or jamais vu, which is like the feeling that none of this makes sense at all. A sudden sense of fear, anxiety, anger, sadness, or joy. A rising sick feeling in your stomach, like you're riding a roller coaster is what it's described as. Altered sense of hearing, sight, smell, taste, or touch. Visual distortions and the inability to speak. Or sometimes it can just be like you have a hard time speaking. No. Really, that shit happens to me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) So much of this, I'm just like... Do I have epilepsy? Seriously, like uh, reading this, I've been like, maybe I have schizophrenia. No, I don't. I don't. But if you read anything for long enough, you're like, oh, I'm 100% experiencing focal aware seizures. (laughs) Hypochondria. (laughs) So the other type of seizure is a focal impaired awareness seizure, which is a complex partial seizure with loss of awareness. So it basically means that the level of consciousness is impaired to some degree. You can't interact with the surrounding environment as you normally could. The site of the seizure is localized, but then spreads across the temporal lobe, causing the impairment awareness. So you then become aware that you're not there. (laughs) That something's wrong. 
Yeah. Uh, they tend to have an aura before they occur, which is basically like the warning sign. The aura is actually considered a seizure itself, but it's a focal aware seizure. So you have a seizure before your seizure. And that's when you start seeing auras around others, right? Or just like a light around things. I think when it's, when it's about this, it's not about a light. It's more about like a precursor, like a feeling. You're probably right. I didn't do any research about this, <laughs> but, but I thought that was a thing. Apparently like neither that. did I. Like when you look at me. <laughs> Like you, when you're like looking at stuff, like there's like a glow or something and that means you're going to have a seizure. They describe it here as an aura is the term that some people use to describe the warning they feel before they have a tonic-clonic seizure. Mm-hmm. And epilepsy aura is in fact a focal aware seizure. Focal impaired awareness seizures include staring, repetitive behaviors and movements called automatisms. So it can be like fidgeting, picking, your eyes are like blinking a lot, lip smacking, chewing, swallowing. Confusion, unusual speech, altered ability to respond to others, a brief loss of ability to speak, read, or comprehend any sort of spoken word. Yeah. So 20 to 40. Okay. So I said that it was a small amount of people, but apparently it's 20 to 40% of epileptics are drug resistant. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sucks. There is a type of psychosis that happens with seizures. And there there are actually three kinds of psychosis. So ictal psychosis is usually a manifestation of non-convulsive status epileptics. So in ictal psychosis, there is not an obvious problem. It's more like their brain is not processing the way that it should be. And Mm -hmm. it's like an internal thing. They might have unusual behaviors and thought processes, and they might have like weird ways of interpreting things and speaking to people that just yeah. don't really make sense. It's, it's like a cognitive disturbance, but it doesn't seem like it's a problem. It just seems like the person's acting a little weird. Yeah, like you're weird. Like, yeah, like <laughs> ooh, you're being strange. And then there is postictal psychosis, which is when a seizure is followed by psychotic symptoms. And there's usually a period of lucidity between the two. So you don't realize that the psychosis is happening because there was a seizure mm-hmm. and the, the period of lucidity can be up to 72 hours. So it can happen days later. So that's totally what's up with this girl. Yeah. 100% because she did have long periods of lucidity yeah. before she would have psych- psychosis. Well, and she could have also been having like teeny tiny seizures that like she didn't realize she yeah. was having. Yeah. yeah. Like, like she 100%. was just like, you know, freaking out. Her, her brain, brain was haywire. Yeah. So the postictal psychosis will be very evident. It'll be hallucinations, delusions, catatonia, manic or depressive moods. And it usually resolves in a few days, but it can last months. And then there's interictal psychosis, which is not temporally related to seizures, but it can occur when seizures are infrequent or controlled. They last for several days or weeks, usually present in affective symptoms, paranoid delusions, auditory hallucinations, and mystical experiences. Oh, yeah. Ringing some bells. So that is temporal lobe epilepsy. Now let's talk about schizophrenia. All right. What I totally have. <laughs> so uh, you probably already know this because your mom is a psychiatrist. But yeah. for people who don't know, uh, there are positive symptoms and negative symptoms for psychosis. And uh, it doesn't, it's not what it sounds like. It's not like there are good symptoms and bad symptoms. <laughs> it's like there are super evident symptoms and then like less evident symptoms. Mm-hmm. 
So positive symptoms are anything that you would think of as like, oh, that person is definitely going through psychosis. It's like hallucinations, delusions, thought disorders, movement disorders, that kind of stuff where you can tell that something is wrong. Negative symptoms are tricky. It comes off a lot as depression. So it's like a flat affect, reduced pleasure in everyday life, difficulty beginning and sustaining activities, reduced speaking, social isolation. A lot of times people will let their hygiene go. With schizophrenics, there is a period of time where they will just smell bad because they're just not taking care of themselves. And this is like such a common thing that it is like a warning sign. Wow. You have to have at least two criterion A symptoms for one month. And then one of them has to be a core symptom. So delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech. It doesn't take as much as you would think to be diagnosed. It, It becomes pretty evident, but the longer you are undiagnosed, the worse your schizophrenia is going to be. Yeah, because doesn't doesn't schizophrenia like not really happen to people until like early adulthood? Uh, usually teenagers. Yeah. So yeah, like, like 15, 16. Like this girl. It can happen later in life, but that's pretty rare. Yeah, because I've heard about it like, like happening like, uh, like college years, you know, like 18 yeah. to 20, whatever. But because the uh, prodromal is like the psychosis before the real psychosis because that period can last years yeah that can start People when don't you're realize yeah. yeah it could just be like and a lot of times these things are masked by other problems so mm-hmm. like someone will start going through the prodromal phase of psychosis and they'll become drug addicted and then yeah. that's the problem yeah like clearly that's what's going on they're on meth so that's why they're hallucinating when mm-hmm. it's like but maybe no, they're they on becoming schizophrenic yeah, yeah. <laughs> shit is pretty common with schizophrenia. The longer you are untreated, the more essentially affected your entire brain will be for the rest of your life. Wow. So with every episode, your brain will like shrink a little bit. Wow. And when you are medicated, your brain still shrinks, but like hopefully you will get it under control so that it does not shrink more. So your impairment will like amp up. Your brain is actually shrinking when you're literally shrinking. That's nuts. With every episode. So the idea is to catch it early and to get people into immediate remission. Yeah. And they say remission because you are always going to be schizophrenic. Yeah. Isn't it also a thing for schizophrenics to just want to stop taking their meds? Like, isn't that a thing? Yeah. Because the meds suck. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, there's first generation medication, which is usually not super effective for people and gives you a whole lot of, um, bad side effects. Then there's second generation medication, which works better, but still gives you side effects. There is no winning. So a lot of times people will uh, try to taper off, but that makes it worse. So then the next episode that you have is going to be worse. So they've actually done studies on like trying to taper people down and the rate of um, return of their symptoms is highly increased so you have to maintain like some sort of dosage it doesn't have to be every day but you have to stay on your medications and most people when they start getting a little better do not stay on their medications yeah like oh i'm fine now i'm sick yeah and here's the other issue if you are out of your prodromal phase of psychosis it is very difficult to get back on track into your remission so prodromal you can have like a really long time of amping up into the curve. And then once you get your like positive symptoms under control, 
you're still going to have all of those negative symptoms to deal with for sometimes years. Yeah. Like the, like depression. Yeah. The depressive kind of symptoms or the cognitive impairment. So I can understand why people don't think that their medication is working for them because Mm -hmm. it's not working the way that you think medication should, Yeah, but it's still working. So I want to talk about what causes it because there are a few things that I think are really interesting. Exposure to viruses, especially in gestation. I wonder about COVID right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We were actually talking about this, weren't we? Mm -hmm. Like I was saying like, what, what are the kids going to have who are like gestating during this time? Yeah. What's going to happen to them? I just read something about it, like attacking placenta. Who knows? We'll see. Fucking horrifying. Time will tell. We have to be ready to take care of these people. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing. If we're thinking about the past. Yeah. We're thinking, okay, well, this is definitely coming. Then we'll be prepared when it happens and we'll like catch it. It'll be like you were a winter baby during like COVID. We're going to get you under control. Don't yeah. you worry. Malnutrition is another one. So especially malnutrition and gestation. Babies gestated in the Dutch hun- hunger winter and the Chinese famine had double risk of schizophrenia. And then there's social factors. So the children of first generation immigrants are in the extreme social stress of being between two worlds. Wow. You have to fit it in this world, but you still are like in a completely different world than your home. Yeah. And that is a big precursor for schizophrenia, surprisingly enough. Wow. Uh, sexual trauma and social trauma can cause schizophrenia. Major losses and transitions can cause schizophrenia. I did not know that. I thought it was 100% genetics. Yeah, me too. It's, really it's not. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and especially in light of, and this is all just like speculation, and I am not a doctor, so obviously I can't (laughs) say this to any degree of certainty, but there is a chromosomal deletion that leads to much higher rates of schizophrenia. It's called 22Q11DS. It's a chromosomal deletion, and it happens most of the time by chance, but there is a very small genetic component in it, and it can be inherited from a parent. And usually people don't know that they have this deletion until their kid has an issue and they have genetic testing. They can experience one or more of the associated symptoms. And because it's a genetic deletion, it can affect a whole range. But people with this deletion can experience heart defects, low calcium levels, immune deficiency, speech and language impairments, learning disabilities. There are also the potential of not really experiencing much of any of this to a degree that you would go to the doctor. Yeah. Kidneys that are smaller or formed differently is how it is suggested that this deletion can impair people. So I'm wondering if that's like a connection, like both her and her sister had that because psychiatric disorders are high in this genetic deletion. Yeah. Yeah. 4.9% of schizophrenics experience suicidal ideation. Pretty much all of them experience depression to some degree. And this is like the most important. Less than one in 100 first episode patients commits any sort of violence. And if they're going to, it's usually against people in their own family. People who are mentally ill are more likely to have violence visited upon them than they are to do violence to other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was something that you had brought up once before too. Maybe when we were talking about ghosts or... I mean, people are pretty anti-mental illness to the point that they were, they will do mental gymnastics to get away from feeling like they're crazy. And nobody wants to have a crazy person in their family. Nobody wants to sit next to the crazy person on the bus. I think a new trick, like for the modern age, is if like you have a condition where you're like talking to yourself all the time, you just like put in 
AirPods. <laughs> and then I love it. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. The way that I said that reminded me, uh, did I make you watch that chick who's like, people always ask me, what's it like to be you? And then she just like stares into the camera for a long time. And she's like, I love it. <laughs> like that's me (laughs) i love it um yeah so so that is legion a lot of that tracks for what was going on with annalise yeah it really does so we talked about how she was obsessive Mm -hmm. with holy objects relics but the thing that happened after a while was that she started to feel like she couldn't look at holy objects or um she started to kind of avoid them in general But at the same time, she was, like, obsessed with religious, like, with saints and studying that kind of stuff. Just, like, depending on the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, in 1973, and uh, I think she was just out of college at this point, she went on a pilgrimage to San Damiano. Damiano? It's in Italy. God. Every time I say something, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just, I'm a stupid American. Please don't listen to me. I know, right? (laughs) Hate me all you want. I know I'm dumb. (laughs) I'm the first to admit it. (laughs) I'll say it before you do so that you can't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, So during this trip, which was a pilgrimage to uh, a holy relic, she said that she was unable to drink the holy water from the spring. She would not walk up to the icon of Jesus. She said that the soil hurt her feet. Oh, my God. Um, The family friend that she was on this trip with said, I think she's possessed. And that was it. At that point, like, it was fucking done for. She was definitely possessed. So during the summer of 73, her parents started talking to every priest they could to find someone to give her an exorcism. Wow. And every priest that they talked to that said she's normal she has schizophrenia they would just be like nah and then wow so there were there were priests that said that yes but they kept trying until they found a priest named father ernst alt and he was like fuck yes it's my time yeah he asserted that he had a god-given power to know if a person were under demonic influence or just physically ill and it has to be said Everyone thought that this man had schizophrenia. Really? Oh my God. Yes. Where'd they find this guy? Like, just like. They went through Jesuit priest after Jesuit priest and finally came up upon this guy. Yeah. And I think he was recommended by like a family friend of some sort. I forget exactly. So I could be fucking that up entirely. (laughs) I'm Um, going with it though. (laughs) Totally. That sounds right. He was super against the change in Catholicism based on what we talked about. Yeah. Um, so he was a, a very like, old he, he was, he was old school. Mm-hmm. He was OG Catholic. He was not down with any of the changes that were made. And he was super vocal about it. He claimed to have collapsed one day while praying for Annalise, which convinced him that the devil was working against both her and his flock and only exorcism would help. And what I mean by flock is the entire Catholic church. <laughs> So he was described by a psychiatrist as having an abnormal personality in the wildest sense of the term. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's an actual quote? Yes. Parts of his prehistory, as he reported them, even suggest the presence of a psychosis of the schizophrenic type. 
Wow. Because he had lots of visions about different things. Yeah. He also said that, because like I said, there are periods of lucidity with epileptic seizures. Yeah. And if they're, if a person is experiencing psychosis, they can have like a long period of psychosis or they can have like a shorter one Mm -hmm. and then like a period of lucidity before the next seizure. He said that she didn't look like an epileptic when he met her. So what does an epileptic look like? Constantly seizing apparently. (laughs) Like they no no end to the seizing. (laughs) She isn't seizing. Stupid. Fucking stupid. stupid. He believed that Annalise was suffering from atonement possession, devil sent by God to express his disapproval of liberal changes made to the Catholic Church. Oh my God. Give me a fucking break. Let's talk about The Exorcist because all of this happened at the same time. Yeah. The book was written in 19 or released in 1971, published in 1971. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's about a possessed little girl, Reagan McNeil, and she's the daughter of a famous actress. Reagan plays with a Ouija board and gets a demon called Captain Howdy. And uh, yeah, she she gets exercised and it it has some of the best special effects, like practical oh, yeah. effects I've ever seen in my life. It's, yeah. Apparently, the priest was wearing more makeup than Reagan and yet nobody fucking noticed because the makeup was that good. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is crazy. The book was inspired by a real thing that the author heard of when he was in college, and it's the exorcism of Roland Doe. So he was an only child, and as an only child, you know, it's kind of a lonely existence. The only person he had to play with was his auntie, and his auntie was super into spiritualism and apparently let him play with a Ouija board. When his auntie died, he started acting up. (laughs) Yeah. So all of this happened around the same time. His auntie died. He started acting up. Apparently it was the Ouija board. He had some exorcisms where like people saw things flying around and the bed shook and like he was able to levitate. None of this was captured. And uh, yeah. Poor kid like just misses his auntie. And is probably going through some like mental illness. Yeah. And like puberty. The other thing that comes to mind is In the 40s, if you were having like kind of a psychotic break and you were to say, yell at somebody, it might seem pretty demonic. Yeah. If you've never heard your child speak to you like that before Mm -hmm. and you don't have access to the kind of scary material that we have today where like you can see people's heads spin around. Yeah. I can see how that would seem otherworldly. Yeah. Like that could not possibly happen. Did you hear his voice? It's like, yeah, it's, it's absolutely going to happen. Yeah. Like rage. Yeah. So the global release of this movie was in 1973. It got mixed critical reviews right off the top, but within its first month, it grossed 7.4 million worldwide. Wow. That's a lot of money in the seventies. Yeah. So, uh, that would be just about 44 million today. Wow. And that doesn't seem as impressive until you realize that not everybody had a movie theater in their town. Yeah. So that's like a lot of fucking money. And people in New York actually lined up around the block to get in while there was a blizzard Wow. because it was released in December. Yeah. The effects were so convincing that people got physically ill. Like this was an incredibly Isn't impressive so movie. Funny, though, Cause now it's like you look back and watch her head spins. Ooh. Cool. <laughs> like 
it looks so old school now, mm-hmm. even though the effects are still very impressive. Yeah, it's it's, great. You can tell that it's not real. Yeah. Whereas now we can like, you can play a game and watch someone's arm just come right out of their body. Mm-hmm. Shit's so real now. But like people were horrified by this, vomited. Uh, someone was sued because a scene was so realistic. And that's the scene that I made you watch. Yeah. Uh, the scene where the catheter is being placed in her neck was so realistic. Oh, yeah. I think some people still use it today to demonstrate placing a catheter for a radiography. Yeah. With that being said, we've talked about how media can prime you mm-hmm. to experience yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah. So because these effects were so out of control and so like revolutionary and convincing, mm-hmm. people 100% bought into it. Yeah. And we have no real proof that Father Alt read or watched this movie. But I find it interesting that the movie was released in Germany in September 20th, 1974. And the following year is when the exorcism started. I mean, but do you think somebody super religious would see a movie like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, It's about God and the devil and like the fight against evil. And it's a horror movie. So, you know, it's that seems kind of weird, but I still think people would watch it. And especially if it's a book about exorcisms and you already are interested in exorcisms. Yeah. And it's based on a true story. Yeah. That you've talked about. There was actually an upswing in what people called possession fever after the book was released. I'm sure. So it's like a literal thing that happened. I'm sure of it. So the reason I think Father Alt probably read the book or watched the movie is that he claimed to have been sickened by letters from the McKells and to have been attacked by swarms of flies and seen shadowy creatures scurrying about. Very theatric, this guy. Yeah. So let's talk about the complete psychotic break. She was in college at the time and she was not doing well. She was withdrawn, super religious. People did not like her. They were, it's not that they didn't like her. It's that they were kind of scared of her. She yeah, was she's to, like a weirdo. Especially like putting pictures of saints and crosses all over your dorm I mean, could room. you imagine like, if you were her roommate? And be like, oh my God. I would lose my fucking mind. <gasps> I'd be scared. like, this chick is out of control. She's going to try to convert me and I'm not interested. Right? One cross, fine. Two crosses, fine. 20 crosses. You've crossed a line. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. (laughs) That was a good one. Uh, So at this time, she forced herself to fast because she believed that it would rid her of Satan's influence. And in May of 1975, she lost her grandmother. And this is like the biggest maternal influence for her. She's very close. And her sister, Barbara, moved away. So it's like already she's under the thumb of her mother. Yeah. Anyone who really loves her for herself is going away. Yeah. She's out of control. She doesn't feel like she has any control of her body, like someone is taking her over. Mm-hmm. She started to develop what most people would consider multiple personalities. And these are the personalities of Cain, Judas, Nero, Fleischmann, who was a disgraced priest from Germany, Hitler, and Lucifer. Oh, my God. So it's like, that's how she got her control. Yeah. She had no control. To be these different people. Yeah. Yeah, just so fucking weird, though. I'm not going to lie. So a lot of people were like, oh, well, she's she's speaking Latin fluently, where it's like, well, she, she was studying Latin. catechism. Yeah. She speaks yeah. Latin. Like, she speaks, she spoke Chinese. It's like, well, she was around Chinese students, and she probably didn't do it fluently. Yeah. Like, she apparently like, spoke a little bit of, she spoke a little bit of Polish. She spoke a little bit of English. Like, I mean, she, it is weird, though. Like, okay, like, maybe 
she's smart and knows all these languages or whatever, but that's fucking right. weird. Annalise also said that she saw things. She saw experiences that people had had. But also, like I said, it's really hard to determine whether or not someone's listening in on conversations. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely possible for her to hear things. She also apparently knew too much about like the Roman Empire and like history. And she was studying all of this shit in school and she was obsessive about her studies. So it's like all of the shit that they were saying, like she has to be possessed none of it really made sense. And it has to be said that a lot of priests were like, she's mentally ill. Yeah. So in September 24th, 1975, she was approved for exorcisms. And that would be the beginning of 67 exorcism rituals given over a period of 10 months. And these rituals can last hours. Wow. And one of the things that you have to do with the rituals is to genuflect. What's that? So it's a kneeling. And you can have a single genu- genuflection or a double. So it's either one knee or two. She would double genuflect. And apparently at the end, all of her ligament was pulverized. This is dark. This is sad. It's, yeah, it's really fucking dark. She accepted her behavior as demonic possession. They fed into it. Like if you read the transcripts, it's like them saying, and who are you? And what did you do? And like priming her for things. And like she talks about Barbara Weigel in them. She calls herself a snot-nosed brat. And I mean, I get it. Like hindsight is twenty twenty, But like all of this shit is so fucking obvious. Yeah. As the demon, she talks about how the Catholic Church are doing it wrong by modernizing. And that's a lot of stuff that like uh, Father Alt believed too. Mm -hmm. So it's like he was feeding it to her. And she would say something about the Catholic Church and he would like repeat something to the effect of like, and how are they doing it wrong? And what should we be doing? Yeah. You're telling her what to say. Mm -hmm. It's fucking insane. So here's the most heartbreaking part. In April of 1976, she knew that this was going to kill her. And she said, I will be free of my demons come July. I mean, at that point, she probably wanted to be dead. I would. Yeah, me too. 100%. Her final exorcism was June 30th, and she died the next day. Wow. Her final exorcism, her parents had to help her genuflect because she could not walk or move her knees. So how exactly did it kill her? Well, she was starving herself, for one, and they weren't making her eat. She was physically punishing herself. By the end, she, like I said, she had genuflected so many times that she didn't have ligament in her knee. Yeah. Her teeth were broken because she was chewing the wall and slamming her face into the wall. Like she would, um, she would lick urine from the floor. She would eat spiders. She would eat coal. Why? Just because she was nuts? Because she was in psychosis and she was punishing herself. And she was also acting out the delusions of everyone around her. Yeah. Like if someone says you're possessed, you're possessed. Mm -hmm. You're going to act possessed. Yeah. It's going to happen. She was also suffering from pneumonia in her last weeks. A doctor said if she had been brought to the hospital just one week before we could have saved her life. Wow. None of this had to happen. She weighed 68 pounds when she died. Oh my God. The pictures are fucking horrifying. Wow. They're real fucking bad. Despite knowing what we know now, people still pilgrimage to this place as a holy place, to, to her gravesite. People did not get the moral of the lesson. Yeah. After her death, her father 
immediately requested a certificate of death of natural causes. And the doctor was like, no. Yeah, that's a load of shit. She was killed. That's crazy that nobody was like forcing her to eat or... I mean, she also did not want to go back to the hospital. And that's something that she apparently made her sister promise is that she'd never put her back in the hospital. But like, that is exactly what should have happened for her own good. And no, she wasn't going to like it. Sometimes you have to do shit you don't like. I just can't believe that her family like let them do all this stuff for so long. I mean, this is like so hypothetical because I would never feel this way. But if I thought that like one of my kids was possessed or something and after a couple times of trying, it like wasn't working. I would be like, okay. Right. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't see my child suffer like that. I think people just like really buy into the, like the social contract of there are demons. Mm -hmm. These are how demons behave. If we don't remove the demons from the person's body, their spirit will not rest. We might not be able to save her body, but we will save her soul. I don't know. It's a load of shit. I can't even believe it. It is. Yeah. So they were taken to trial for negligent homicide. Oh, wow. And all of them were found guilty. Good. However, they, they didn't actually have to serve any time. The parents were apparently told that they had already suffered enough, which I don't think so. I don't think so either. I feel like they were like, fuck yeah, let's do this God shit up at our house. You know? Yeah. And even at the end, Anna said, God told us to exercise our daughter. I regret nothing. Psycho bitch. This is 100% how people believe when they kill their kids by exorcism. So this is like a thing. Like she's not the only child who's been killed by exorcism. This is so much more common than I wanted to believe. Wow. Let's talk about the wrap up. Why does this happen? There is what someone described a hothouse effect of social confirmation, which is basically, like I said, there are demons. This is how demons behave. Demons come to us to steal our souls. We need to protect our souls at all costs, even the cost of our physical being. Yeah. So it's better to kill someone and save their soul than it is to have someone live with a demon inside of them. Yeah. I mean, in her case, though, it's like, I still don't even think that they're the like, you know, quote unquote demon was taken out of her. It wasn't. You know, she had psychosis. Yeah. But here's the thing. The people who actually testified against all of these people said she was normal. When I saw her, she was lucid. She knew what was going on. This didn't need to happen. Yeah. So it's like her parents and the priests just bought into it and pushed and pushed and pushed until she behaved the way that they wanted her to behave. Yeah. And the hard part is, is that the stigma for being epileptic, for having schizophrenia, for having dissociative identity disorder, for having Tourette's. All of this still exists. Yeah. And people are still doing exorcisms on their children to try to get away from having mentally ill children. Stupid. Some people say it works and it could potentially work in a placebo effect, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it's responsible to do it to people who cannot give full consent. And you cannot give full consent when you are in psychosis, when you are a child, Mm -hmm. when you are under the influence of drugs. Yeah. And you would hope that people would have enough common sense to know that, but like they don't. So really what's, what's to be done other than say, like, we need to teach people to not fucking believe in demons. But I mean, deeply religious people like really do believe in that sort of stuff. And I think also like don't believe in like modern science. So it's like, of course you don't want the stigma of having like a mentally ill child or something, but it's also like, you might not even 
believe in the stigma because you don't believe that's a thing. And there are a lot of people who do not believe in specific mental mental illnesses. There are people who use demons to excuse their own behavior. They're that tied up in the idea. The devil made me do it. Yeah. Demons made me do it. It's not really my personality. Right. I'm not a piece of shit. (laughs) I was made to. Mm -hmm. And then there's also scapegoating, which I don't know if we've talked about before, but it's it's really common. And people always say like they didn't abuse any of their other children. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, no, there was a scapegoat. Yeah. One person got all of it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be obvious to anybody else. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about like the awful statistics. And this is the trigger warning portion of it. Okay. As recently as I think two months ago, there was a case of a toddler being physically abused by way of exorcism. And I think he actually might've died. Oh my goodness. A toddler. A toddler. Toddlers do act like they're possessed by demons. (laughs) Oh, they 100% do. But it's a toddler. Yeah. It's easy to say like, what a silly belief or like what an entertaining thing demons are. Like how fun to think about Ouija boards and like demons and to like hear the spooky stories and to tell it around the campfire. But like, this is shit that actually happens. Mm -hmm. That's what I was just thinking about. Like, as you were wrapping up that story about how that got turned into a movie and people like go see the movie and are just like, whoa. And in reality, it's like. Whoa, spooky shit. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is this this was tortured to death. Yeah. We want to see people suffer so that we feel like the world is going to be a better place. We want to see a scapegoat. Yeah, the truth. Sad. Weird. So I only found one study from the UK, but almost 2,000 suspected religious belief-based child abuse cases were identified by authorities in England in 2018 through 2019. But experts believe the figure is going to be a lot higher than that if they can get people to talk. Wow. I expected to like get into the weird like Ouija board stories and to like Mm -hmm. be like, oh, have fun and hauntings and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, honestly, especially reading about the child abuse stuff, like I could not hold my shit together. Yeah. And you know how I reacted to like the trials of Gabriel. Oh, was it Hernandez? Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't even watch the rest of it because I would just weep. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. How I was like watching it at the gym on the elliptical, like crying. Yeah, Why am I doing this? <laughs> I can't do this to myself. Yeah, I couldn't finish the series. I got through to like maybe episode four, and then I was like, I can't watch this. I got through to three, and my mother found me like just sobbing, and she was like, "You have to stop." Yeah, no, that's <laughs> you super have to upsetting. Be able to be a person. I mean, that wasn't for religious stuff, though. They were just like awful. No, they were they were awful. But like, yeah. if they had framed it. For religious stuff, it would make sense. Yeah, right? It's not like there's much of a difference. No. Like, how? I just don't see how, like, if there's not something going on, like, if with your psyche, that you would do something like that. You know, even if you are, like, God-fearing or you are, like, um, you know, super religious and, like, believe this sort of stuff, like, you love your kid. Like, right. You know, it seems like you would, like, try to do other things first. But isn't or- that the biggest expression of love that you would kill them to save their soul I I guess yeah I guess so I don't know that's (laughs) that's what these people think they're saving their children and I think the church by 
not only not saying there's not demons and we're never doing exorcisms again, but also now recently having approved a whole like community for exorcisms, it's irresponsible. I think so too. At a certain point, you have to say, you know, these stories in the Bible are stories. We can take the story of Jesus casting out the demons and say, you know, this boy believed so much in God that he was able to withstand and, you know, learn to work with his illness. Yeah. You could, you could make it into anything. You can talk up anything, but like to claim that demons still exist and that exorcisms should be a thing is irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I'm sorry. This one was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. For me, the takeaway is like, yeah, I, I agree that religion is not the issue. It's humans that are the issue. But until humans stop being the issue, religious institutions need to be more responsible. I can't believe this stuff still happens. Oh, I can't either. Sorry about the bummer, guys. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, it's interesting. And it definitely made me think about how I um, relate to the media that I watch. And the fact that like Exorcism of Emily Rose, while it's a like super entertaining movie, is based on something that actually happened to somebody. Yeah, it's like really, really terrible. That movie was pretty yeah. disturbing. And you know what? I read somewhere that the director was like, we tried to show it from both sides. It's like, no, you showed her being possessed by a demon. That is the only side you legitimately showed. Mm -hmm. You showed like a couple of epileptic seizures and that is it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what people want to see. Tell me you have better news for me for next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I do, actually. Please. (laughs) It's not dark at all. It's not dark at all. I'm talking about pseudoscience pseudoscience therapy yeah called neuro-linguistic programming what it is isn't as interesting as like the man who developed it Ooh, we love a crazy person story oh yeah it's good (laughs) it's good this guy's wild yay i'm so excited murder mind control Ooh, lots of laughs no tears Thank God. This I know, this one. is heavy. I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, that's terrible. This is terrible. Yeah, like, how do we wrap this up? Yeah. <laughs> Life sucks. <laughs> I'm going to lay on the floor for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I know, it's like so dark and horrible, but I like want to look up her pictures of her before she died or when she died. So Ooh. I'll have a lot more information on the blog entry. There's just so much of it yeah. um, that I couldn't get into all of it. But yeah, I'll I'll have pictures They'll be towards the end because I don't want to start with that shit because she was a person. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, honestly, I'm glad that at the beginning of this episode, I didn't like start making like weird demon jokes and stuff because it's like not funny. I wanted it to be funny. I tried, guys. (laughs) I really tried. (laughs) Toward the end, you're just like, well, everything sucks. Mm -hmm. Everything sucks and then you die. Peace out. Bye. All right. Thank you for joining us on uh, Jolie's Bummer Hour. (laughs) This has been I Read a Thing, all bummer. You're committed to that. I love it. I am 100% committed to the Bummer Hour. (laughs) It's almost like I said it and then it just happened. I'm like a sorcerer. You manifested it. I manifested my Bummer Hour. I'm just like everything that I research is going to depress the shit out of me and make me cry. But yeah, we uh, we release these episodes every Friday. So you can come back to us with a, an episode Emma. of Emma's Woo Time. 
Yeah. I'm doing something that looks ooh, but you can't see me. Yeah, you look like you're at a Grateful Dead concert. (laughs) All right, guys. Peace out. Bye. Yeah.